0: From Luminary, this is Karamo, a podcast. Hey friends, welcome to Karamo. I'm your friend Karamo. And today's interview is another inspo to go guest. Again, inspo to go interviews will be focused around one person, most of the time a friend of mine, whose journey has personally inspired me to be better, to learn more, to try more. And I want to introduce them to you because I know their story will inspire you too, to go after your dreams. So the person I'm speaking to today, I have known for about one year, or I think we're about to make our first year of friendship. I don't know. I will ask him. He is a world-renowned author, speaker, and athlete. He is best known to people for the fact that he climbed to the peak of Mount Kilimanjaro in 2011, the tallest single-standing mountain in the world. Climbing the mountain is extraordinary on its own, but what makes my guest climb so inspiring is the fact that he is the first amputee to ever do it. My guest only has the top half of his body, no legs. His lower half of his body was amputated when he was very young. But being differently abled didn't stop my guest from living his life to the fullest. Friends, I want to introduce you to my friend and a true inspiration,
1: Spencer West. Hey friends! Hey Spencer! (gasps) Hi Karama. Oh my god, like I'm-if you could see me right now, I'm like embarrassedly smiling and so excited to be here.
0: Listen, you know, you ain't happy to be right here. You got all them celebrity friends. All right, let me tell you something. I, every time I see you hanging in with all the cool people, I want to come and chill with you. Like, seriously. You're
1: like the, the coolest one so far, so please.
0: See, this is why I like you. You talk some <laughs> shit and I like. I actually know that you're being genuine, Spencer, and I am genuine as well when I say how much I really do love and admire you. We met, has it been almost a year now? Yeah,
1: the end of this month will be will be a year.
0: I was getting off a of stage at WE Day, which is a big festival that supports inspiring kids just to be better. Spencer, you work for WE Day, correct?
1: I do. I work for WE, the, the organization itself. And then one of the arms of WE is WE Day. So it's like our day to thank young people for the work that they're doing. But also it's to uh, hopefully empower them to continue to make the world a better place.
0: Hey Amen. That was a very powerful day. I got off a stage. You were standing there, and you had something on that I loved, and I was like, "Ooh, that's cute." And we just started talking. Is my is my recollection correct from how we started to meet?
1: Girl, you were like the person that I was like. If nothing else, I just want to say hi. And if it's not too much, I might want to ask for a photo. And we briefly said hello, and then as you were leaving, I chased you into the. There's like a long entryway into the Staples Center or um, yeah. into the Forum. And I was like, "Can I take a photo?" And you were so kind, and we quickly took a photo, and you had to leave. And then I was so excited that I put it up on my Insta. And within 15 minutes, you had DM'd me, being like, "Can we have lunch tomorrow?" Honestly, I don't think I've ever told you this. I nearly died. Everyone on their team, girl, everyone on their team lost their minds. In fact, a few people knew that I'm talking to you today, and they're like, "We love and hate you so hard right now (laughs) because we were were talking (laughs) to him." I
0: I thought there was something you had cued on that I was like. Oh, my gosh.
1: That's I thought that's how we start talking. Yeah. 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 So you were right. There's just a a, a preamble.
0: <laughs> I did DM you immediately because I didn't even know your story. I'm just amazed by all the things you had done. I was like, bitch, you climbing mountains? You, it was like... <laughs> like, like, like I and
1: um do you get that a lot with people like please bitch help me you, is that
0: something you hear all the time
1: it, it is it is uh or like how how did you do that and then the other the other side of the coin that i get is like if things are hard or like there's a like a set of stairs because like for those of you, obviously, you can't see me, so I don't have any legs. I was born with legs, but had a genetic disease that caused the muscles not to work. So
0: I want to go back to that because I want to clarify: do I say disability, or do I say living with a disability, or how do you like me to refer?
1: I like disability. Just saying that I'm disabled is is fine. It's sort of like saying I'm gay, you know. It's just like an easier one word. Personally, that's. But like everyone's different, but I really don't have a preference. So I read your book, I don't know if you know
0: that, Standing Tall, and everyone should go get it. It's an international bestseller. I read in the book that you were born with, can you pronounce it for me, Skarl?
1: It's called sacralogenesis. There's a little piece on your spine called the sacrum, which is like between your spine and like your your pelvis. And mine just didn't form correctly. There's no rhyme or reason. It just was luck of the draw, to be honest. There's no environmental effects or anything. In fact, to this day, they still don't really know why it happens. And I'm grateful that mine was not as severe as some other cases are for me it just affected my legs so i was born with legs but i couldn't actually physically make them move i had feeling but i couldn't use them and they looked a little bit different they sort of looked like frog (laughs) legs is the best way i can describe them so uh, i had two surgeries the first was at the age of two in hopes that maybe they could remove my legs at the knee and then i could use prosthetics to get around that way but it didn't work so we went back to the sort of the drawing board and then um they amputated my legs, like just below my my hips, I would say, so I could get around better. And then for a while they wanted me to use prosthetics, but it's crumble. It seems so silly because they they said, "Well, every kid wants to walk," and so I was like, "Okay, I guess I'll use these fake legs." But everyone knows that I don't have legs, so for me, why would I pretend like I do? That seems so inauthentic.
0: That is such a profound thing for a child to think, but also it's like. I just want to own who I am. This is how God made me. So I, I thought that was really beautiful. Oh, thanks, boo. And so your doctors also told your parents that you probably wouldn't live to be a teenager. Is that correct?
1: Here's the thing. And I always feel so bad because it, it always sounds like, you know, we're, we're vilifying or making the medical professionals who were supporting me sound like they were terrible people and they weren't. They, they literally had no idea. They couldn't give my parents, like, an idea of what was going to happen to me. So the reason that they said that is because my disease also affected my bladder a little bit. And so they were afraid that my kidneys would, would fail eventually. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't make it till 14, but um, that didn't happen and everything is fine. So, yeah. And they also said, you know, I would never walk or be a functioning member of society. And so that my parents should, you know, get me interested in music and and things like math and reading right away. So they just didn't know what to do or, or what to tell my parents.
0: They're only equipped with the knowledge they have. And as we grow and we learn, and as years pass, we get more information. And so you're right, no one wants to vilify the doctors for sharing that information with your parents, because at the time, that's what they thought. But also, it's just really hard. Standing tall, like you, um, like the title of your book, at height 2'7". Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, because when I'm with you, I don't feel like you're 2'7". And I, I know that sounds really weird, and I hope that didn't come out offensive.
1: No, 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 Karama, I totally get what you're saying. Listen, th- there's a couple of things here. Like, I would have been six foot tall if I had legs. So, like, a, I would have been tall-ish. Yeah. And B, I totally get what you're saying. You know, I have a lot of my friends who, you know, they they just see me as Spencer, and I do have a disability, and pretend like I don't would be silly. But they they forget. Like, I, I have a friend who we were shopping at the mall, and we were driving home, and I and I drove us. And as we're driving home, he'd bought some new brown leather shoes, and as we were getting back to my house, he was like, "Oh, do you have any shoe polish at your house?" And I was like. <laughs> No, no. like, why do you laugh? And I was like, I don't have any shoes, man. And he's like, right, right. <laughs> so no, I, I get it. Like it's, that's what one of the things that I think makes you so beautiful, Karaman, is you you see every part of a person, but mostly like who they are as an individual and their personality and what they have to, to offer and love and all the things. So it's, it's not offensive at all. I
0: apologize because I always wanna make sure I'm being respectful. But my truth is, is that when I talk to you, I do understand you have a disability. It's just not the first thing I think about. But I'm sure you often find yourself with people tripping up like that. Do you ever feel like you're constantly in a state of like, oh, uh, let me have to, you know, hold people or like support them and like be like, "No, no, it's okay." And if yes, does that get exhausting sometimes?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is this is part of the, this is part of the deal, right? Is that like people feel uh, that they're entitled to ask you certain questions. And and before, and I am by no means famous, but I've had some public success in Canada and a little bit in the United States. And growing up before that, it was like I could either choose to answer or I could just say I was just born this way or it's like I, I don't want to talk about it today. But now I'm terrified that people are going to know who I am and then they're going to think I'm a jerk because I mm. don't want to answer. So there are some days that I give a short version and there are some days that I give you know, uh, a longer version. And it was a couple of years ago, I was at one of those like trampoline parks, you know, where you play trampoline dodgeball. Yeah. And, and a group of kids, and I don't mind kids asking questions at all because all they want is to validate what they're seeing. And then we can go back to playing or doing whatever we were doing. So I was jumping on this trampoline and then a bunch of kids came over and they were young, like, you know, six or seven. And they wanted to know what happened to me. So we like sat in a circle in the middle of this like park. And a friend of mine was like, even when you're not working, you're working. Mm. And so it's like and and that's what it is. So yeah, there are a lot of times that I'm exhausted I'm like I just want to buy my new top and not have to talk to anybody and go home, you know? <laughs> okay, you're like yeah.
0: leave me alone. Yeah, yeah, leave me alone. I don't yeah. want to work right now. That makes complete sense. You mentioned your childhood and when you were, you know, or and also dealing with children. You know, reading in your book, your childhood was very accomplished. You were a cheerleader, you were in musicals, you won state Um, Where did you find the courage to not be defined by what others see as limitations?
1: Truthfully, it wasn't me. It was my parents in the beginning. My parents didn't treat me differently. So I I never had that thought in my head that I was different or that there was something wrong or that there was something that I couldn't do because I never knew any different. All I knew was that I was awesome. My parents were awesome. And they're like, yeah, you want to ride a skateboard? Figure it out. Like do whatever you want to do. so it, it was them never addressing any of that and just letting me be. Mm. So I never had the thought that I couldn't do something until I got a little bit older, you know, and then then the world starts to creep in and you're you're outside of your immediate family, and you start to learn that are things that you may not be able to do. but I'd had that foundation in the beginning that I just thought, well, all I can do is try. yes, I'm just gonna try mm. and And if it doesn't work out. I'll see if I can figure a different way to do it. And if not, at least I know that I tried and I'll move on to the next thing.
0: All I can do is try. I think that's a very beautiful thing. Once the world started to say, "Ooh, there's limitations. Once you're your own person out in the world, parents aren't with you, you know, and that happens for most of us once we start attending kindergarten, first grade, you have to now start to function and live in this world. How did you at that point find the courage to just be and not be held back by other people's standards or thoughts of you
1: i already i already knew everything about me you know what i mean and and i knew what my limits were and so it was other when other people put those limits on me it was like cool okay let me show you that that's not actually true Mm -hmm. because before i used to get angry and think like i wish people would understand and and it's not my job to make them understand but but halfway through sort of growing up in in elementary school it was like well actually it's partly my job too, uh, because the world isn't educated. And in order for them to know that that wasn't okay for them to tell me that I couldn't be in the best choir because I couldn't dance, or I couldn't be in this musical, I could just be the assistant director, even though I had the talent to be it, there was too much dancing. And so it was me constantly coming back and saying, that's not true, that's not true, this is what I can do, let me show you, look again, look at me one more time, like these are the things that I can do. But the other piece, Kramo, is that, you know, I've had some of the same friends my whole life, and to have a support system of people, because it's really easy for me to say all of this now, right? Because I'm 30, whatever. And y- y- you're seeing the end product of something that took so long to learn. So yeah. it wasn't without support. So I had these amazing friends that when times were really terrible, and it was awful, and I was sad because I was rejected from things. There were people that I talked to, and I know it's cliche, but that's genuinely what worked for me and still works for me.
0: That doesn't sound cliche at all to me. I mean, one of the biggest things that we all need and could, should practice more is opening up and you know, expressing what we're going through to those that we love and we can trust because that's when you can find support and find that little push in the right direction to get what you need. So that doesn't sound cliche at, at all to me, but what I do think is powerful about what you just said is I knew what I can do. Look at me. We all know in our minds like, I'm capable of this. And then what happens is we start to repeat these negative narratives that other people put on us where we start to say, well, I guess maybe they're right. Maybe I can't. And I think holding tight to that that mantra of I know what I can do is really a powerful statement because it says you can't limit me and I'm going to do it. And then to add on to that look at me, Spencer, you better work. <laughs> Come on. See, I'm not just saying This is why why I had to have you on the podcast. You're inspirational, (laughs) boo. You are. You are. (laughs) It's just the truth. Now, I know that through life, you had to have deal with whispers,
1: stares, and inquiries. Yeah. I mean, as a kid, I hated it. I was embarrassed all the time. At least for me, as a kid growing up, I didn't want to be seen. I wanted to blend in. Mm -hmm. And there was no way for me to do that. Everywhere we went, no matter what, people would point and stare and and ask questions. And I could never get away with it. And then as I got older, it's like one of those things where you're like, well, I just have to accept that this is what it is. I don't have Mm -hmm. to like it all the time. But I have to accept that this is part of my journey is that people are going to do this. And as I've gotten older, it's gotten easier. And it's so funny, because I don't even notice people staring anymore. But it's my friend's who notice when we're together and they're they're like, did you see that? And I'm like, no. And like they get so frustrated by it. And so I think it's an it's an interesting just reminder for me that that, that it happens, but that at some point you just have to accept what your reality is. You know what I mean? And there, there's nothing yeah. that I can change about that because I don't have control over other people. I can only control myself and my response.
0: That's true. And you mentioned earlier education when you were in, in school. Let's be honest. It's human nature to want to be curious or concerned about something you are uneducated about, you know, you, you get into that space of like, Oh, let me look, let me stare. Let me talk about this. But what is the advice to that person to help them navigate what they're going through? Uh,
1: the, the piece that I find that's always missing half the time, more specifically from adults that have questions is they'll walk up to you and say, can I ask you what happened? And the first thing that I do, this was obviously pre, COVID-19, is I would extend my hand and say, hi, I'm Spencer. What's your name? Yeah. My disability isn't everything. And let's start with who we are as humans first. Let's have a little bit of an introduction. And then I'm more than happy to answer some questions. But if you're just going to jump right in there, I'm going to stop you. And I like let's at least exchange something more um, casual than, you know, where are your legs and how do you go to the bathroom?
0: (laughs) I couldn't fathom in my mind coming up to you and being like, excuse me. How do you use the restroom? It's like,
1: yeah, get out of my business, <laughs> bitch! Please, yeah, yeah. It's like I don't ask you about your cash and prizes. Why is mine so important? <laughs> uh, but yes. you know what? But it's but for kids though, Cromwell, it's different. I don't mind with kids because they, they're learning, and that's how you learn. Yeah. And so the only other thing that I would say is sometimes I feel bad when parents scold their kids for staring or asking where my legs are as I as I stroll by. It, I don't want them to scold them. The thing that I that I personally love is when parents take a knee with their kids and say, "Well, you know what? Some people don't have legs and instead, he uses a wheelchair to get around like you would walk on your feet." And like that is a beautiful teachable moment. It's not they shouldn't be scolded for trying to figure out what they're experiencing. There's I think there's a right and a wrong way to to go about it.
0: It's a teachable moment for parents, for teachers to understand that the reason that people later on in life have this sort of Unfounded curiosity is because when you're younger, no one taught you the proper manners when you were a child. If a child is curious, help them learn how to be respectful in asking questions yeah. and learning that anyone's differences make them be just as beautiful and special as anyone else. I, th- I think that's a really smart way. All right, so now you have talked about never being treated differently and how that helped you to form. I just want to understand that.
1: I I wrote this in my book. You know, my my grandmother was so lovely. But if she would have raised me, she would have done everything for me because she just wanted to take care of me. And my mom was like, "Mm -mm, you're going to go clean your room. You're going to do the dishes. You're going to dust that furniture. You're going to go out and do all the things that like all other little kids are doing. Mm. And so that allowed me to then have the confidence and the freedom and the courage to then, you know, take risks that I needed, risks that were healthy and safe. Um, so that I could form who I ultimately, you know, am and currently am trying to figure out,
0: (laughs) you know, I I know from friends and from experiences, like they feel like I have to save you. I have to, I have to be there. I have to do everything. And it's like, no, this is a human being who, you know, if they need help, they'll ask for help. And by allowing them to be their own person, they take the risk they need, as you said, to find the confidence, courage, and freedom. Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
1: When I'm out and people see me, uh, you know, the way I get into my car is I have, I have like an SUV and got one of those uh, electronic backs that open up. So I I can get out of my wheelchair and part of my privilege is that I'm strong enough to lift my wheelchair in my car and that's it. And then I go about my day. And so I was in a parking lot one time coming from the grocery store. And as I was getting in my car, uh, a gentleman walked by and I want to preface by saying his intentions were so lovely, Mm -hmm. but he was like, Oh, can I help you? And I was like, Oh, honestly, that's so kind, but I'm, I'm fine. He's like, no, no, here, let me help you. A lot of folks with disabilities see, uh, any mobility like my wheelchair or like a cane or crutches, an extension of their body. Mm-hmm. So this man, as I was, I told him twice, I didn't need help proceeded to then lift my wheelchair in my car for me. Uh. You asked if I needed help. And I said, no. And what you did is you assumed the help that I needed. And you didn't listen to anything that I said. Yeah, I am very good at communicating. And I will tell you, if and when I need help with the big stuff, I'm not so great at some of the little stuff. But yeah. with that sort of big stuff. Yeah, I'm good. And so I think that's something that's really important for folks to understand about folks with disabilities. Don't assume that you know what I need. Mm. Ask me and I will tell you. And if I and if I tell you that I need your help, I will tell you how. But if I don't, thank you so much. And it was lovely to meet you. And let's I got stuff to do.
0: Now be honest. <laughs> um, if he was a date, you would have taken it. Because I know you. You you got your inspiration. Oh, that's a different got... story.
1: <laughs> 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 you're like, if he was cute, I might have been like hold on could you put me in the car i'm just
0: i'm just joking because this is our friendship here that comes out because this is how we talk but um you know i I, i'm you're right you know reading in your book of seeing like at the age of three your arm strength because uh, let's clarify yes you use a wheelchair but you also walk on your hands and you've been doing that since you were three years old correct
1: yeah like you know like every kid i i learned how to crawl first um and you know my because my legs were just sort of dead weight they sort of like dragged behind me and so once they were amputated it was like well cool I can like stand upright on my hands now and just walk no- what I consider to be normal um, so yeah so my whole life it's been this this
0: and way. that um, incredible arm strength is what got you to walk to climb Mount Kilimanjaro and so I'm just gonna say to you bitch are you crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because whether whether you have um, are living with a disability or you are not, I don't know if I could do it. Like literally every time I hear the story, like, you know, being an amputee, I mean, just amazes me, but I'm also like just the courage as a human being to get up and be like, I'm a scale, that is intense. <laughs> so where did that come from? Just that sort of like adventurous spirit. Where did that come from?
1: I mean, truthfully, Kilimanjaro, uh, that was that was at a left field for me, too. So here's here's the real tea about Kilimanjaro. The founder of WE, his name is Craig Kilberger, and um, he and I have traveled a lot together, and we were traveling for a speech. And legitimately, nonchalantly, we were in a, in a cab together, and he was like, hey, have you ever thought about climbing Kilimanjaro? And I was like, have you lost your mind? Like, <laughs> no. No. No, I don't know. Like, that's not something I've ever wanted to do. Yeah. He was like, oh, I, listen. He was like, I'm just saying in passing because I did it recently, and I thought maybe it's something you could do. But that sort of inclination in my body that was like, I know he wasn't telling me that I couldn't do it. But in mind, like a week later, I was like, yeah, I want to do it. <laughs> so <laughs> just just to like, because here, here's here's part of the other thing. So I'm a motivational speaker. That's my job. And I travel 200 days out of the year and friends and family are oxygen for me. Yeah, they are what recharges me. That's how I plug my battery and is hang out with my friends. And I, I was missing that. So I thought, how can I take this like wild idea of trying to tackle one of the biggest things that I've ever done in my life, have a cool adventure with my friends, and make a difference at the same time? How can I put all those three into one basket? And Kilimanjaro was the answer.
0: I mean, it's extraordinary that that is where you found your answer. And for you to challenge yourself into doing something that is extraordinary And takes a lot of courage and training, I think, just goes to show who you are. What is a piece of advice or encouragement that you would give personally to someone to say, you know, you can do it, you can try? Because I know that's part of what you do with your career.
1: If things feel easy right now, it's probably time to be challenged because it's time to grow a little bit more. So um, you'll know when you're ready to be challenged. I'm a firm believer in that intuition. So it's like, trust your gut and know when it's time to be challenged. And then, like you just said, then you then you have to try. Like, Cromwell, I didn't know if I was going to make it to the top of the mountain, to be honest. I didn't really care at the end of the day. All I cared about is that we were going to go and try. And then whatever happened, we were going to bring back and teach and let people know what the experience was. Now, luckily... We did make it to the top and that last little bit was was really hard. But I think the two pieces are we have to constantly be challenging ourselves or we never grow. And the second piece is you have to at least try. And no matter what the outcome is, whatever you're supposed to learn from that, take the time to learn that.
0: Mm. Just be happy with trying. I think that's where a lot of people get themselves caught up if I don't succeed, are people going to judge me? Are people going to, you know, are people going to look at me weird and I don't want that failure. And a lot of people don't want that attention on them. You know, I don't want to overgeneralize as that's the only reason, but that's a big step for a lot of people. And so just to live in a space of trying's okay. Trying sometimes is enough because within trying, you get a message and you get a lesson that helps you to say, yeah. oh, you know, that's one of the things that I've always in my entire life is I, my fiance, Ian, who you still have not met, which you need to meet soon. I know. Agreed. One of the things I tell Ian is I got to try because if this Yahoo is trying, I should be trying. We all have the abilities in us to dream and to take one action towards going and doing something new and it doesn't mean that we're always going to be the best at it but you at least have to give yourself an opportunity to see what's possible because within that you learn hearing you say you didn't know if you were going to make it to the top that's so refreshing hearing you say that now finally has made me think like huh well maybe I might want to try this
1: one day and whatever I need to learn about myself through that would be great yeah exactly and the adventure I had with my friends was like something that is priceless that in itself was was enough to walk away with. But, you know, we made it to the top and we raised over half a million dollars for clean water. So like there was all these beautiful things that came from it. But I would have just been happy with the experience with my friends.
0: You, my friend, are beyond exceptional. I had put out on Twitter that I was going to be speaking with you. And there was a couple of questions that came back where people were sort of like, hey, I don't know anyone who is living with a disability personally and i want to and but i kind of don't know Mm -hmm. what to say and i know you do not speak for your entire community it's the same when somebody come up to me and they're like so do black people like this and i'm like oh let me let me let me go to the back phone (laughs) and let let me let me tell you how we all feel about this you know what i mean like (laughs) do you mind if we go through these questions that some of the people ask it's only a couple please let's do it okay so one of the big ones is what is the most respectful way to refer to someone living with a disability if you are interacting with someone and you're wanting to describe them?
1: Living with a disability, it would be like me saying to you, you're, you're living with a darker skin color. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just It doesn't resonate for me. It does for some people, and that's great. But for me, I just prefer the label disabled. And the piece that I want to say, too, is like it's okay to make mistakes. Like if you get it wrong, you have to be open. If you're mm-hmm. – If you have enough courage to ask, you also have to be enough courage to learn as well. So be gentle with yourself if you don't get it right the first time. But yeah, I prefer I'm disabled. I have a disability. Living with a disability sort of to me implies that it's going to get better at some point or that it's going to change. You know what I mean? For me, it's like, no, I have a disability. It's not going away. And it took me a long time to be proud to say those words. So like, yeah, for me, it's um, disabled. And usually that's usually what it is in the disability movement as well. But again, it's a little open to interpretation.
0: The second one is, if someone has a question for a person with a disability, is there a considerate way to go about asking? For example, do you mind if I ask about your quote-unquote issue? That's what they have there.
1: Right, yeah. So so the first thing that I would say is, uh, as we mentioned earlier, is like introduce yourself first and get to know who that person is before you just jump straight into their disability. You know, it would be like me, Karama, coming up to you at, and saying like, can you tell me about your homosexuality? <laughs> like, you know, yeah, that's one piece of you, Kramo, but you're also a, a man of color. You're also on Queer Eye. You also have all these identities. Yeah. So like, let's start with the basics of like, this is my name and this is who I am. And then I think the the answer is already in the question of, can I can I ask you what happened? Yeah. And then you have to be okay with whatever the response is. Mm-hmm. If that person says, no, I don't feel like sharing that today, then that's okay. And then you've, you've met a new friend and and you walk away. But I think by introducing yourself and seeing them as a person first and not just the disability, that for me, it softens things. And then it makes me feel more comfortable to, to want to talk about those things.
0: Next question. Do I need to bend down to talk to someone in a wheelchair?
1: Mm, This is a great question. This one is, is very personal for everyone. I like it, but I also know that it's hard for people to kneel for that long. Mm -hmm. So like for me in particular, yeah, it's nice to be able to look someone in the eye. But I usually will say if I can tell someone's uncomfortable, I'll usually say you can totally stand if that's if that's more comfortable. Um, That that's sort of my mantra. I, I think it's a nice gesture to kneel down and to for me to be able to look someone in the eye. But I don't expect you to stay there forever. Got it.
0: So you believe it's a nice gesture, so would it be appropriate for someone to say, hey, do you mind if I kneel or should they just kneel?
1: I, anytime you wanna ask, I think that is the best way to go about it.
0: Got it. A question came in the person asked, I look around my life and I realize I don't have any friends who have a disability. Should I be trying to talk to someone? Should I, what should I do to make friends who are disabilities? What would you say to this person?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, th- there's it's like two parts to this question. Number one, you know, we, we live in a really interesting time where we're all trying to figure out what is the right thing to say and do and act and be involved in. And so everyone is like, well, I, I need to be inclusive. So I, I'm, I must have a black friend and I must have a gay friend and I must have a friend with a disability. And it's like, I don't think you really need to go out and force yourself to make friends with all these people just because yeah. you're afraid of cancel culture or something, you know? Chances are you probably know someone who has a disability. They either have not disclosed it with you because mine is a physical disability, but Mm -hmm. there are a lot of folks with invisible disabilities that you can't see that you don't know were there. You know, like I've got a, a few friends that have diabetes. Those things are disabilities that you can't see. Or, you know, my, it's like, I hate to be gross and name drop, but my friend Demi Lovato, you know, she's been very open about her mental health, but you wouldn't always know that that's part of who she is. So I think, there's probably a lot of folks don't realize that there's folks in their lives that have disabilities. You may just mm-hmm. not be able to see it physically. But again, I don't think there's some sort of this isn't United Colors of Benetton or anything. We're not trying <laughs> don't,
0: to like... don't start collecting people. <laughs> yeah, that's don't it. start collecting people. <laughs> that's yeah. it. I think that there is something that is important about understanding that. Yes, you should evaluate. Like if if your circle all looks the same, maybe you do need to expand your experiences and the only way to expand them is by learning from other people. It doesn't mean you need to go collect friends, but you should be encouraged to go say, Hey, can I ask you, can we just talk? And so I can learn more about you. And maybe through that an organic friendship will grow because I think that's what people are lacking. And when I go to brunch, and I see a table full of all white gays with muscles, I'm like, girl, all of y'all need to get y'all life in order. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm not trying to cancel them. I'm like, whatever, but I'm like, Mm-mm. how are you in a community that's so diverse and rich, and you telling me that all of y'all are six foot two and have muscles, and none of y'all have a friend outside of that, that y'all could have called the brunch? Yeah. It just, it blows my mind. <laughs> and so I'm always like, how about you just try to meet someone
1: Yeah. And Cromo, I actually think, I think you're the answer. And what I mean by that is, you know, how we met organically and and how you, how you carry yourself in the world is you see someone that you think is cool or interesting and you get to know them because you want to be their friend. And I think that's, I think that's the best way to do it is to just be genuine about it. You know what I mean? So yeah, just everyone just be like (laughs) (laughs) Cromo.
0: Um, Spencer, this has been an amazing conversation. You've inspired me, and I know that people listening have felt like they've grown, that they've learned, and that's all because of you. And I, I want to end this interview before I say goodbye with a quote by someone who I think is really important. And the quote goes, In the end, aren't we all unique and special? I just happen to wear differences on the outside because I had no legs. That was a quote by Spencer West. I think that that quote sort of just in just encapsulates what it is to be human. We all are unique and special. Some of us wear our differences on the outside and some of us wear our differences on the inside. Mm. So thank you for being you. I truly do love you and I'm so glad that we are friends. Um and thank you for talking with me today.
1: Oh my God, Boo. I love you too. Thank you for this, and thank you for giving so many people a platform to be able to learn and share. It's just it's so beautiful. Thanks, babe. I got you. All right, well, I'll talk to you soon. Okay. <laughs> all right,
0: bye-bye. Bye. Babe. bye. <laughs> Friends, I'm so glad y'all got to meet Spencer today through my podcast. I told you at the beginning of this episode that he would teach you but also inspire you to go after your dreams. You know, Spencer was dealt a hand in life that many of you would think was impossible. But as you heard, the hand he was dealt was a winning hand because he embraced who he is. By surrounding himself with people who loved him and encouraged him, by always reminding himself that others' limitations don't define him, And by remembering that he has special skills and talents that make him great, he has been able to live an amazing life. Listen, Spencer didn't know if he could climb that mountain or even get to the top, but he tried. And that's always the first step to having a happy and successful life. Just trying. Because when you try, you get new experiences. You get the opportunity to connect with those you trust and love. And lastly, you get to learn something about yourself that will help you to get to the top of your mountain one day. So no more saying to yourself, one day. Reverse it and make today your day one. Until next time, friends, take care of yourself and each other. Karamo, a podcast, is an entertainment show. For advice or support on any emotional or mental challenges, please contact a licensed professional in your town. This show was produced by Karamo, Nick Pinella of Workhouse Media, and assisted by Ellie Charles. All music composed by Ernie Wooden and the Big Woozy Band, and all episodes are edited by Nathan Moody. Thank you for listening and growing with us.